0: The views and opinions expressed on WXOJLP are solely those of the original hosts of their respective programs. These views and opinions do not necessarily represent those of Valley Free Radio Incorporated, its volunteers, or any other hosts, guests, or programs on this station.
1: Due to the ongoing pandemic and to follow social distancing guidelines, this episode of Civil Politics was pre-recorded over Skype.
2: Hello, and welcome to Civil Politics, here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP, 103.3 FM, out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm Michael Dow, your host tonight, and I'm joined by Sue Timberlake. Hey there. And uh, intermittently by John Roberts. Uh, there's some technical issues on his end, so uh, uh, he may be cutting in and out, but hopefully we'll at least hear from him briefly. So uh, we've got a lot to talk about tonight, ugh, as is the norm for 2020, but uh, in particular, we're going to talk about the, uh, the two questions on the ballot uh, here in Massachusetts, the statewide ballot question. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll tell you what to do, and then you will, of <laughs> course, go out and follow in lockstep with our divine pronouncements. Um, but before we get to that, uh, I do just want to mention that well, we, we still, still love to hear from our listeners. And uh, we would love to do it more here during our, our quarantine sojourn here. So uh, you can get in touch with us in a few different ways. Email is civilpoliticsradio at valleyfreeradio.org. Facebook.com slash civilpoliticsradio is our community there. At civilpoliticsfm is how you tweet at us. And we do also have our own, uh, uh de- special dedicated website, which is quite simply civil And that's got recordings of previous episodes of the show, uh, links to things we talk about and a few supplemental episodes. And, uh, we actually have a really good discussion with Greg Bennett from, uh, the, uh, yes on two question spoiler. That's kind of where I'm going with that. But anyway, um, from, uh, uh, from uh, talking about a ballot question two. And uh, that interview actually went like half an hour. So we probably will, won't be using the whole thing here on the show, but uh, the, if we do, there will be a supplemental episode to to listen to the whole thing. So, so thank you uh, to Greg for joining us. So uh, and We
3: asked him a lot of questions, so people should listen to the supplemental because we asked some pretty you know, in-depth questions, if you have further questions, so.
2: Yeah, you asked some good questions about uh, the nitty-gritty of, like, logistics and expense and, you know, uh, keeping things secure. Caucuses. Yeah, yeah, caucuses, so. So, uh, yeah, so, um, all right, so, Sue, uh, ballot questions. Uh, Question one is about... Uh, an expansion, not the creation, but the expansion of the right to repair uh, one's own uh, automobile here in Massachusetts. Um, Actually, one thing I forgot to check, does it only apply to automobiles? It doesn't apply to like, you know, cell phones or VCRs or whatever else, right? All
3: right. Not even motorcycles, I don't think, unless maybe some of the BMWs have those those systems in them. But yeah, it's it's, but the, the, it's the really general, passenger. It's it's really passenger vehicles. I think it's right. the.
2: But the general right to repair law that's already on the books that emerged oh, with yes. the ballot initiative that already covers all kinds of motor vehicles here in the state. Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay.
3: And it was passed, I think in two thousand and twelve, and I'm so glad you mentioned it, yep. because it's sort of interesting that campaigns are very, uh, well, at least the one to say no is is very misleading sometimes.
2: Yeah, I thought so, too. Um, so, so Sue, uh, I, I, I'm uh, the kind of nerd who just drives cars and doesn't actually care about how they work. You, I mean, you know, you've know, you worked in engine repair shops. So, I mean, can you run this down at least briefly what the heck this, this ballot measure is going to do?
3: Yeah, it's, it's sort of interesting because I had to reread the ballot question and talk to people to really understand it but it, it really is just making it in a more standard format, open source, which I think um, John has some opinions on that, um, open source, and it's also making it so that it's uh, wirelessly transmitted, which is new, because right now you have to plug a device in and you have to have the right scan tool to read it. So shops do already have the ability to get some of the data, but it's so proprietary, and every year it gets more proprietary, so it's sort of like having an Apple computer where you can't write an application for it because you don't have the secret password. So, you know, it's it's actually an interesting law because it just sort of standardizes the format and makes it available, but also makes it available wirelessly so that you don't have to actually touch the car to get the data. And it's it's only mechanical data, which I think that's been one of the other confusing parts. They say, Oh, it's gonna send your garage codes to the you know, to the neighborhood thief who's standing outside your car, and it isn't. It's just mechanical repair data that they're talking about. And it's going to allow
2: some scary person with a camera to follow a nice young lady into the Northampton parking garage and loom up (laughs) behind her uh, or something. Yeah.
3: You saw that ad. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. They've well, the dealerships have spent millions because they do do really interesting proprietary things. I mean, there is some part of it, that entrepreneurial part that has to do with what the dealerships do, but it's sort of like medicine and research and vaccines. If it's all proprietary, then the whole system doesn't move ahead as fast because everybody's busy keeping their secrets. And they don't tell anybody else. They discovered that there's a really good good way to burn less gas per mile. So it's kind of a funny. There's a tension there. Um, and and um, but I'm I'm in I'm in favor. I'm totally in favor. I love the little um, the little mechanics, you know, in their in their gas stations that can fix things that you can't believe they can fix because they really understand how cars work instead of somebody who's just changing out circuit boards. And doesn't really love cars so you know it's a it's a funny time we're going to lose all these little shops unless we make sure they're, they're brought along with us so and some of them are big and, shops too i should say
2: and John, you actually you had a really good point yeah because it's transmitting raw information it
1: will create uh a a small cottage industry of of different Standards. apps yep. of different apps yep. that people can use that can people can can use that data for, for many, many different things, like not just repair, but for engine tuning, for um, just uh, constant data being streamed to to a device in the car. Uh, because it's raw data, that means that it can be manipulated and organized uh, and applied to a myriad of things that- Sweet. Can be that that can be endlessly useful. So, in the coming like next decade, once app developers, once um, mobile technology developers, once the car developers even get a hold of this and see what actual data can be uh, gleaned from it. In, especially if you combine the mechanical data with other data that might be on your phone as well, like combining it with maps, with map apps, or or other apps, then you could have a uh, like any sort of da- like uh, app data manipulation, and it could be even um, just for fun, like just for gear heads. Uh, yep. And just for people that just want to know more about cars or something like that, this could be a a groundswell
3: <laughs> yep. of really uh, the open open source. Yeah, really it, helps with that. Anytime it, there's open source,
1: anytime there's open source information of of data, then that leads to a positive result and more tech jobs. And more and more there will be more jobs, especially more independent um, app uh, developers, and then Apple and Google or whoever will probably uh, make a standard app to for people to use. Uh, but because be, anytime you have open source an open source system that's secure but can transmit appropriate data then that is a net benefit. Anytime.
2: Uh, To me, as someone who, you know, is like, I just want to take my car to the mechanic and have him fix it. Uh, You know, from what I can gather of, of the law, it's, it's less about fixing or, or, or correcting a a big problem right now. It's, it's heading off at the past stuff that, uh, a way that the, uh, the, the The data of uh the way that data is is generated and processed and and shared and whatnot uh, by our our cars uh going forward could wind up shutting out uh local shops like you said like like it's not that yeah. they're being shut out right now but you know in ten years it's getting it harder could, right it, it could yeah. it could become Insurmountable in ten years, and so the the measure doesn't do anything to the cars that currently exist. It just says that cars for the twenty twenty two model year uh, will yeah. have to be uh, compliant with these codes or, or with this regulation. So,
3: yeah, and it's and it's a good one because right now what happens to a lot of the mechanics that I know is they have a scan tool and it does this, this, and this, but it can't do those. <laughs> Yeah. And then you need a special one for the new models of Toyota, and you need a da 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 and you make have to make sure you get the update because it doesn't work you know the minute you pass in so it's 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 almost like you know it's a way to keep um it's called price discrimination, but you know if all these shops can fix your 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 alternator, then they can get the thing that says that it's your alternator or your battery or your um your um rectifier then they'll compete with each other and they'll, they'll keep the prices lower. Whereas if there's only one shop for 200 miles that can do it because they're the dealer, you're going to pay full freight every time. In fact, you're going to pay full freight plus some. So yeah, it's really a question of, you know, America likes competition. We like to compete. So, I mean, it's sort of anti-competitive so to the, not do this.
2: Right. So the market forces uh, argument. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm in favor of that. <clears throat> and, uh, in a weird way, I think the market forces issue is, uh, what? Right. So you and I and genre, we're all like, yes, on question one, uh, we should expand yep. our, our, right to repair. Uh, and I think in a weird way that market forces argument also applies to question two on ranked choice voting. Uh, I'm also in favor of, of a yes vote on question two. I think ranked choice voting is a good idea. Um, And I think part of that's because it allows for a plurality of voices. And uh, uh, here to chat with us uh, about that for a bit is uh, Greg Bennett from uh, the Yes On 2 campaign.
1: And just to make sure that everybody knows, this is a a clip of a upcoming civil politics supplemental so we have a few minutes of this uh him explaining what yes 2 is and what it's all about and if you'd like to hear the full conversation go to civilpoliticsradio.com and you'll be able to listen to the entire like 20 minute interview really fascinating stuff really good questions for everybody uh so check that out that is on civilpoliticsradio.com but
2: here's the clip you know, I think ranked choice voting is a good idea, and I think most people get it, but not everybody still knows what the heck it is. So give us the, the nickel tour. What is ranked choice voting, or what specifically are you guys pushing for ranked choice voting? Because I think it may mean different things to different people.
0: Sure, yeah, yeah. Not everybody knows what it is, but what we find is that once people do understand it, um, overwhelmingly, people tend to support it. I think the key problem that a lot of people see in politics today is really that politics in many ways is kind of tearing the country apart. Um, We find that um, we don't have a system today that's able to really build consensus. We see winners elected without a majority of support. Uh, We see independent voices often excluded from the debate. And we see a lot of voters that feel like they're pressured to vote for the lesser of two evils. And ranked choice voting is really a simple change that helps us address those problems. Uh, In most elections today, you're limited to making one choice. Uh, Under ranked choice voting, you can still vote for one person as you would today, but you also have the option of uh, ranking your backup choices, your second choice, your third choice, and so on. And what that means is that if your first choice doesn't have uh, the support to win, that your vote will count instantly towards Uh, your next choice instead and that solves this perennial problem in elections day of vote splitting and spoiler candidates and you know those problems mean that candidates are forced to drop out of races people are pressured to vote for the lesser of two evils um people are afraid of of just voting their conscience and what they want it also makes politics very negative because it becomes these very us versus them zero sum game so sue final thoughts you're uh you're you're saying thumbs up
2: on questions one and two? Vote for both of them.
3: Yep. Yep. I like them both. Yeah, me too. Sort of scary. We're all in agreement. <laughs> Must be something wrong, because <laughs> the know, rest of the world is so polarized. <laughs> well, well, let me say about question question one. I could I could make the argument that my my party likes to really get control and extract every ex- extra nickel they can out of things. So. But, you know, it's different when it's our own pocketbook. So, yes on one. Yeah. <laughs> and the tactics and the tactics in question, too, you know, bullet voting and running somebody of the same sort of vintage to split the vote so your candidate wins, even though they only got 20%. I mean, all that. Well, that's how Trump won, right? There were 15 yeah. candidates. And he was, you know, he was the guy that people recognized from TV. So yeah. like Arnold Schwarzenegger in California.
2: Yeah, yeah no kidding. No kidding. Yes. Yeah. So I you know
3: if the, if the if the if the rules are the rules then I believe you should use every tactic at your disposal but in this case we could get rid of some of these tactics so
2: yes uh, and I I think we'd all have a better uh, I think we'd have a better society uh to to do that so if we did that so yes um yeah and I I think the reason why you, you and I and and John and are kind of on the same page here is because We have different uh, perspectives and interests, but we do have, you know, some ultimate shared values that we are trying to, well, promote uh, civility and allow people to have uh, more latitude in their lives, you know? I mean... uh, Well, that's a good point. Yeah. 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 I mean, like... I was just...
3: I was You and I argue about,
2: like, how how government should spend money to uh, empower people in their lives and which programs actually do that better. But in the end, you and I are both like people should have more choices in their lives, and they should have security and prosperity. Like that is that is a good yeah. use of public time and money. How do we do that? And I think I and think then- the arguments come in because not everybody like there are people out there who are like, no, uh, government's there to keep keep your rights off my whatever, and so that means <laughs> I'm not wearing a mask and COVID for everybody. Woohoo! <laughs>
3: Well, and you know, I can go very self interested. It's gonna cost me less to get my car repaired if question one passes. So, you know, there is that enlightened self interest component to this. So
2: Right. Well, and I I'm less concerned about that and I'm less less interested in what's going on with the options with my car. But I like cheaper car repair, so that's good. <laughs> so Ah, but there are many other things we gotta talk about here. And we've got a few minutes left in our here in our opening segment. So uh yeah. Do you want to take at least a few minutes right now to uh uh mark the passing of the great and uh uh, uh polarizing figure of Ruth Bader-Ginsburg?
3: Yeah, she she was something. She was something, and I thought she was gonna hold on until January, I'm sure she was really disappointed because she was, she was very strategic and smart in her thinking and she knew darn well what was going to happen if she passed away while this president was still in office. So. Yeah. Didn't she dictate, I think she dictated something to her granddaughter or something about that.
2: Oh, I didn't um, hear that. She may well have.
3: Yeah. It was something like it was her strong, what preference, fervent preference that um that the that the um the seat wouldn't be filled, the Supreme Court justice seat is what we're talking about, um wouldn't be filled until um after the next president was installed, whoever it was. Yeah. And um it's you know, it's I mean this is we could go on forever about this and what my party did last time to um Obama's choice. I mean Very I just sorry. find that almost yeah, I found it almost treasonous. That they did that but it was within the rules they were able to do it and it just you know sometimes just because you can i don't think you should because i think it's really polarized the country
2: i i agree it's, it's too I, bad the, the there's no law that says you can't have a dog play basketball as they say <laughs> so but i i don't yeah. i i you know i mean this is civil politics and i think part of what i, I think part of what makes our show great to the extent that it is great, is that um, we, you know, we, we don't focus on just the arguments and the fighting. Um, so, you know, you're you're a Republican, but you're also a feminist and someone who's lived through a lot of the same crap that Ruth Ginsburg did, and uh, yep. And, yep. and have benefited from the legacy. So, what do you see looking back? Like, what do you what, are, what do you want to single out or, or shout or, or or celebrate about her life and accomplishments?
3: Oh boy, there's so many. And Sandra Day O'Connor before her, mm. who also was like first in her class at Stanford, and couldn't get a, a law job. Getting when they graduated. Um, in fact, Sandra Day O'Connor, they made her sit in the secretarial pool. Her first um, her first law job. They wouldn't let her sit with the rest of the uh, new lawyers at the law firm she went to. Huh. So the one for Ruth Bader Ginsburg that really gets me, and I think it shows her strategy. I mean, she had a great sense of humor, too, and loved opera, and just is so great on many, many different um, perspectives. But she, they could not change any of the gender um, biases. That people tried. There were a lot of court cases. And she she came up with a brilliant strategy. Which, if you see the documentary about her, it's very—it's—it's uh, it's a, a first-run movie, but it's actually a biography of hers. Um, she, instead of saying, "Look at this woman; she's being discriminated against," they found a fellow who I think he couldn't get his pension, or he couldn't—he couldn't get something because he was a stay-at-home dad, and he was discriminated against in reverse by the very same law that discriminates against women. So that was the court case they took all the way to the Supreme Court, and it was because it was a guy who was being discriminated against it, people were more receptive to it. You know it was very interesting because it basically educated people in the process. and to pick that case, which is one of the first cases I forget where she, I think she was in um, she was teaching and at the same time was like a consultant to a law firm. Um, she helped them navigate that, which overturned, you know, the 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 um, the legality of discriminating against women, and it was actually discrimination against a man. And I just thought that was brilliant because she knew they couldn't hear the minute you said this woman, they tuned out. But because it was a guy, it it um it actually carried the day. And I just thought that really speaks to her ability to see the other person's perspective that they the women were invisible to these folks that were decision makers. You know, the courts were all male.
0: Mm-hmm. There
3: weren't any women in those courts. So it you know, it's sort of like that was that was her really great gift is that she could you know, look at how she was friends with Scalia. I mean they they must have reached across to each other on some other level to be able to have a friendship like that and be so diametrically opposed. Yeah. You know, just and I think she was even against Roe versus Wade not Not the fact that it was law, but that they should have done it on equal protection instead of privacy. And I'm sorry that they never got, you know, they never had that argument and and sort of put a belt and suspenders on Roe versus Wade because, you know, she may very well have been right about that. And we may never know sort of how good that argument would have been made if she had made it, if it had been her instead. So just two sort of little snippets of the range of her her, um, her incredible talent and strategy and, and success, the ability to get it done.
2: Yeah. And, and, you know, in the last few years, she's really, uh, she really became a forceful and dynamic writer, you know, like a lot of the most fiery dissents, because that's what, you know, we lefties were sort of left with, uh, on the, on the court, but, you know, she, she's the one who, uh, who coin phrases like, you know, oh hey, I'm perfectly dry, so I don't need this umbrella, you know, <laughs> is you know, like from the 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 whole woman's health decision and whatnot. Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah, just just brilliant. They did you hear them joking there's been a lot of tributes to her this week. And she's the first woman to lie in state. I didn't know that. I didn't either. It's, yeah, she's the first woman to lie in state um in, in DC. Um but, um, oh, I forgot where I was going with this. Oh, I know. She's an opera fan, a huge opera fan. And I guess she wanted yeah. to be an opera singer when she was younger. And uh-huh. they've been saying, her close friends have been saying, yeah, she wanted to be an, uh, an opera um, star, and instead she was a rock star. Yeah. <laughs> you know, all the R- RGB, notorious RGB, and nice. know, just, just a nice following and didn't lose her opponents. That was the amazing thing, is that they disagreed with her, but they didn't, they didn't hate her. We did yeah. despise her. Yeah. So, s- smart, smart, big loss. Probably never see anybody again like her. So mm. you know, because it'll be a different time and there'll be different kinds of heroes. So, but yeah, for the feminists in the world, just a just a huge star, and for civil rights, and yes. for all those things.
2: <sighs> well, uh, may uh, the memory of Ruth Bader Ginsburg be a blessing. Um, So uh, let's take a break here on civil politics, play some PSAs, promos, and station IDs. uh, Keep the FCC happy. And then we'll be back uh, with more in the second half where we can talk about some of the other wonderful things that have been happening over the past week. Uh, So this is civil politics here on Valley Free Radio. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Join me for Evidence-Based Radio, Friday nights from 6 to 7 p.m. to learn more about science and skepticism. You can email questions or topic requests to evidencebasedradio at gmail.com. That's Friday nights from 6 to 7 on Valley Free Radio. And we're back with civil politics here on Valley Free Radio. W-X-O-J-L-P, 103.3 FM, out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm still Michael Dow. I'm still joined by Sue Timberlake. Uh, yeah. that yeah, uh, and, and, <laughs> a time delay. Yeah. And uh, I think technical issues have taken genre out of the mix altogether, but uh, maybe we'll hear from him before the end. And uh, assuming my cat doesn't step on the keyboard again. Um, right. So, uh... <laughs> So uh, we talked about the ballot questions in the first half and took a moment to talk about uh, how important Ruth Bader Ginsburg has been to uh, the history of civil rights in America and and American jurisprudence. Um, We do also still have like a global pandemic raging, which is causing various problems (laughs) in its own right. Uh, We're up over 200,000 dead people here in America because of COVID-19 and that by the way, uh given that uh the trump administration has been putting its thumb on the scale to keep testing down uh is probably a serious undercount
3: i would guess yeah i yeah. think so i think you're right yep.
2: and uh, uh uh outbreaks are sort of popping back up uh in various european countries as well so this is uh this is a serious problem that's not going away um so you know, Sue. Again, like you know, you've worked in engine repair. You also have worked in uh, data management and and, and healthcare. So, uh, yeah. What do you think is the 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 most noteworthy news about the uh, coronavirus uh, problems uh, to to today? I mean, just to me, the thing that really got me was uh uh apparently trump floated the idea that he'd overrule the uh, uh food and drug administration about giving oh, people the vaccine yeah. you know early in the testing process and i'm just like it, w- what no yeah <laughs> you don't un- un- unbelievable i mean talk- you can't just inject people with it wait no <laughs> <laughs> well
3: and 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 it's sort of like does he not realize that that actually undermines his position because everybody goes "What? <laughs> yeah yeah the, yeah, it's it's interesting, and the fact that the CDC was basically strengthening and clarifying what their um, what their procedure would be and how effective it would have to be to be put on the market to reassure people. So here they are reassuring people, and uh, Trump steps right on his own message again. And you know, everybody's you know it's it's really sort of frightening. And I think um, you know this is just I don't have all the data on this, but you know we're starting to creep up again a little bit you know we're getting to the fall there's starting to be indoor events and some of the states that you know had sort of wrestled it to the ground are starting to struggle again and um, it's um, I think I might have this wrong but Marty Walsh in Boston is saying that they're approaching the red zone again which I don't know exactly what that means but on a map you know they don't want to go back to red in Boston but you know if they do that then you know what are they going to do with all the parameters that they've changed and sort of you know, ratcheted back as they could, so it seems like we're headed into a second wave, either yeah. a second wave of being more careful and wearing more masks, or we're going to have a second wave of the um or a second swell, I should say,' because it's not really even a different wave yeah of the um coronavirus and Dr. Burks, did you see this? Maybe you saw this She may step off the task force oh really, yeah, the virus task force and uh the covid nineteen task force and They're not really saying why, but they have a new doctor over there who we've been hearing from instead of Fauci and Mm Burks, who's been telling us stuff like herd herd immunity will be fine, and yeah, it's weird. It's it's um.
2: It really won't.
3: (laughs) No, well, it means that you just let people die. You know, it's basically natural selection. You know, it's basically (laughs) what what you're you calling for. Um, but in in Dr.
2: Fauci, it's the same public health plan. That worked so well across Europe and Asia in the 1340s when the Black Plague came around. Like,
3: hey, you yep, know, and then we're we'll start... develop
2: a immunity. it'll be fine.
3: <laughs> and then the, the cities and towns that just put up walls and didn't let anybody in for like two years, <laughs> and they actually did the best. But yeah, it uh, actually
2: it's... They, they sorry, sidetrack, but no, they really didn't because it would the 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 disease was spreading in the vermin population and the rodents. So yeah, the, yes. the rodents didn't care about the city walls and just yeah, bricking yourself. No, but up, I meant you know, the ones.
3: <laughs> no, I meant the ones that were isolated. I shouldn't have just said put up a wall. That was a shorthand. But the the areas that were were isolated and didn't let strangers in, or or you know were far away from any other place. They actually did do some of those towns did fine. They have some historical stuff on that. But yeah. um, so, Dr. Fauci was in a Senate hearing and Rand Paul was saying stuff. Senator Rand Paul, um, the eye doctor. You mean
2: uh, doctor, Senator Rand Paul, who who is an actual MD?
3: Yeah, eye I do, I doctor. Yeah. Sure.
2: Right. No, I, I mean it's I'm not like I'm not tooting yeah, his horn, and, but I'm just like he is in fact a guy who who went to medical school and deg- graduated with a doctorate in medicine, so presumably should yeah. know something about
3: <laughs> yeah, public, epidemiology public among
2: other things. Yeah. So.
3: Well, I'm being a super snob because having worked in healthcare, I know there's a difference between a brain surgeon and a dermatologist. So Not I was sure. being a little, I was being elitist. Sorry. Oh, he's only a <laughs> an really... doctor. <laughs> oh. <Yeah. laughs> sorry. And to all no, my no, physician friends, I apologize.
2: That's <laughs> that's fine. Well, I, you know, I mean, sorry, do you, you remember how people were like, well, Dr. Ben Carson, he's a, he, he was a brain surgeon and 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 people are you know, and it's like, geez, he certainly like doesn't seem to be you know with it the way I'd expect a brain surgeon to be, but you know,
3: yeah, yeah, it's it's true. And he really was a brain surgeon. Well, you know, the new it's guy about that they what pre- you're
2: good at, and and you can be really <laughs> good in some particular discipline, but not necessarily, you know, good at other important things. So. Yeah.
3: Well, you know, there's a new guy at the um, at the FDA. I think he's at the FDA, but he's he's the chair of the virus task force now. He's he's Trump's appointee. And I'm drawing a blank on his name because it's like Adams or something. But people are joking about him because he's a radiologist. <laughs> it's like, and, and he's telling us about vaccines and immunity. Why? <laughs> uh, yeah, they think that that may be why she is because she stood there when he mentioned when trump mentioned the bleach you know she she looked mortified but she didn't yeah. correct him in public she corrected him behind yeah. the scenes but they said this might be it for her this new I, guy that's just making up stuff out of whole cloth i would not be shocked
2: you know because yeah, yeah. There's a, it's too bad it though because <laughs>
3: Well, what are you going to do? I mean, I, I understand the moral dilemma because you're actually giving him oxygen if you're there. And if, if Fauci, well, Fauci hasn't said he's leaving, but if Fauci and Burks aren't telling us what to do, I'm not listening to anybody else. I got to say that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, so, like, there are o- other experts besides the, them in the country, but anybody yeah. else who's going to be in a government position is going to be appointed by Trump or someone appointed by Trump. And yeah, I don't have a lot of confidence in the uh, the uh, impartial uh, scientific judgment of really anybody that Donald Trump has uh, put in put in power. So, yeah. and
3: even if he hasn't, he's been getting people to modify what they're saying enough that I would be suspect, suspicious, not suspect, suspicious of anybody who started to come forward and say stuff that didn't jive with what I'd heard from doctors Fauci and Burks, you know, so even if it was true that they discovered now that it causes, I don't know, heart disease, which actually it does, uh, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't believe it at first, because I wouldn't know who they were. And I would be a little suspicious of them. So they're doing great damage. And the CDC just changed their guidelines for how they're going to do an emergency authorization for vaccine. And um, it's very interesting. They changed it to tougher, yep. much tougher. And uh, did you hear what Trump said? You probably did.
2: I I Well, that's what I, I sort of, I think, referenced at the start is that he's basically going to say, nah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we'll we'll get it out there. You know, just roll right <laughs> up your sleeve. It'll be fine.
3: <laughs> yeah. I'm going to overrule the CDC is sort of the the position he took. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, talk about undermining your your uh, your position. So, it it's really interesting, and uh, I think Baker just changed some of the rules. Uh, signed Governor it today Trump or Trump. yesterday? Yeah, Charlie yeah. Baker. Yeah, here in Massachusetts. And that that's interesting because they're allowing bars to open, you know, with no food. You can actually have the bar open now, but you can't stand at the bar. You have to sit down, and the seats have to be six feet apart, or something like that, or have the plexiglass in between the stations yeah so and parties of 10 are okay that used to be six and that's starting um well it's monday i don't know what that is almost the end of september so is that the 26th or 7th uh 28th
0: uh, maybe
2: uh well the uh uh monday next week would be the 28th yeah
3: of september Yeah. yeah so that's when they go into effect so that's new that's statewide and uh you know we'll see how people do with that especially if we're all watching to see that we don't get a second swell here
2: well and that's a that's, I, a that's a particular concern that's hitting me where i live because as i mentioned on this show i'm involved with uh, some friends of mine and i are 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 still struggling to open a uh you know a restaurant uh, like a like a, a a gaming cafe that will serve food and beverages and the idea is people come in and sit down and Play games and buy them from us, and so forth. Um, and that business model is certainly heavily challenged by our current crisis.
3: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say interesting timing. You, you know, but if yeah, you yeah. can make it through this, you'll probably be in great shape. But what a, what a what a kick in the teeth!
2: Oh, for sure. You know, sure. we've been
3: doing this since March. Yeah, and sure. it's Now and, September, and, and it's not going
2: to stop anytime soon. Uh, In part because, uh, well, but in in part, it's not going to stop soon because of, you know, recklessness. Uh, And so one of the things we're talking about is, uh, you know, exactly how safe is it to have, you know, a group of 10 sitting there and, and, you know, we put up plexiglass shields, like, you know, between booths. How much does that actually help? How much does that actually protect people? And uh, one of my, uh, partners was pointing out that studies out of the UK, uh, you know, like they opened pubs and whatnot, uh, a couple of months ago, I guess. And they're, they're having a, a, a resurgence in the UK. Uh, and it's apparently linked to people going out to the pubs and, and having a few drinks and, uh, being in that enclosed environment, uh, mm-hmm. without masks, cause they're, 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 they're putting, you know, booze Thinking. in their mouth holes, you know, <laughs> so. Uh, I thought that was
3: a pie hole. Isn't that a pie hole? pie just hole. It is.
2: Yes. Sorry. I, I, I don't, I'm not so good with technical jargon. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a problem and we're wrestling with the very basic concern of, you know, if, if we're right in, you know, and if it is really something that is not just droplet spread, but truly can be considered, you know, an aerosolized airborne thing that's going to linger in the air and can spread a long distance, you know, that that six feet isn't nearly uh, sufficient to completely protect people or whatever. Uh, Is that something that we feel comfortable doing? Because obviously we're not going to be forcing any customers to come down to us, uh, you know, to come in and, and, you know, shop or, or eat or drink or whatever. But nevertheless, if we're open and we're facilitating it, aren't we participating in something that could put people's lives at risk that 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 could kill people. And I, I don't want to do that. Uh, you know, and at the same time, I'm like, you know, we're not telling people what to do. It's not our responsibility to, you know, uh, uh, fix all the problems. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I don't feel terrible about the idea of listening to public health authorities, but, uh, on the other hand, they, you know, there's other pressures on Governor Baker, uh, you know, from constituents and from business interests, you know, and also, like, he, you know, and not to make this into some kind of stupid partisan thing again, but, you know, like, he is a Republican, and and I'm sure he's getting stuff from uh, his fellow party members, because, you know, there's a contingent of the Republican Party that are You know, they're the kind of people who went to the the motorcycle rally in Sturgis and were like, yeah, let's all spread coronavirus everywhere because who cares and it's not real or something. Yeah.
3: You know, or I'm I'm invincible. Yeah. And
2: you know, it's it's a liberal hoax and we'll all inject bleach and everything will be fine. And it's like, so, you know, I I I don't know. Like I, I, I don't wanna sort of presume that I'm uh uh to to make that I should be making all these decisions for other people. But at the same time, you know, as a as a business owner, like I am responsible. My friends and I are responsible for what we choose to do, and so you know we're worried about like oh, Boston might be approaching the red zone again, uh, you know. And I was just looking at uh, COVID Act Now, which is a website we've mentioned before, and here, oh, yes. Ma- yeah, and here in Massachusetts, uh, you know, uh, we have enough contract tracers. Um, And the positive test rate indicates we're doing a good job, but like our infection rate is still over one, so COVID is still spreading. Not, it's spreading, you know, slowly, one point zero seven, but it means it's still spreading. It's not under control, and we're and a
3: couple of good events could probably escalate that some uh,
2: right, and we're expanding that, you know, and uh, uh, and you know, my new business is in holyoke and you know uh holyoke uh well you know holyoke had the 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 uh, soldiers home and whatnot you know like uh yes. like there's already been like a lot of cases in holyoke and uh i'm worried that we could i don't i don't want to add to that pile of grief for the community so it's well, a it's a thing where we're thinking about it very carefully
3: yeah there's a couple of things there's some new articles which i w- after we get off the show i'll have to remember to send to you
2: Please. Um. About, and John about can link them into the show notes as well. Uh, assuming they're
3: suitable. Yeah, and this is more articles that some somebody sent me that aren't published. So, oh, okay, I, I, we may we may have trouble doing that. But it's sort of like that 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 discussion about the aerosol and what's really effective and whether it surfaces and all that. It's sort of like the next. You know, they're doing a lot of research on that, so these things are sort of coming out as they come out. So I'll, I'll, I'll send that to you. But I, the reason I'm raising it is because they have shown that if you change the airflow, so you either suck up the air from above people and mm-hmm. send it through a filter before you send it back, you know, so their hair is all standing up straight because the fan's so high Yeah. Um. that, that keeps it away from people beside them. You know, it's sort of interesting and the airlines do it the other way. They blow it down on your face mm-hmm. and then they suck it down from underneath the aisle So you could do a lot with airflow, even if it's aerosolized, you may actually be able to, you know, your, your place is fairly new. So you may be able to do some things with the ventilation, you know, that makes it like super safe and, you know, something that might be, uh, might be advantageous to you, to you all. Um, The other thing is sort of the
2: idea about putting in, trying to put in some like, you know. UV grow lights, kind of thing. Like, not that we're you know yep. growing hash or anything, because we're not. But you know, <laughs> ultraviolet light does kill viruses. So you know, like if someone yep. some and of the lights in there pretty... do that, then uh, maybe it would be safer. I
3: don't know. Uh, well, I think you're uh, you think you're onto something, and I think that a lot of the businesses are going to sort of go in that direction because you know there are sterilizing machines now in hospitals. Cooley was one of the first places to have one.
2: Um, They go around and they, yeah,
3: yeah, and it's a little robot and just, you know, goes in the room and it only, it only cleans what's line of sight, because it's a light, it's a light beam. But this, this virus in particular is very susceptible to that. So it's sort of like you could probably do some of those things, none of the other restaurants will do it. You know, you, you might be at the, you know, the bleeding edge of it. But it might be something that, you know, somebody's building those for restaurants. They just, I haven't heard about them yet, but somebody's doing that. I mean, this is America. People are always really competitive with that stuff and the air, and the airflow. And, you know, they turned down the air on airlines, you know, 20, 30 years ago when they deregulated them. You know, they slowed it down. They had less fresh air. They did all those things, which meant, you know, you always got a cold when you went on an airplane because somebody in the plane had one. And and now they're boosting those airflows up again. So, you know, there's a lot of things to it costs money because you have to heat the air if it's fresh air from outside, but you know, they're all doable. Yeah. They're they're very doable things. So it's it's an interesting time. I uh, you've probably heard this. My my party goes crazy over why churches can't be open. And I, um certain you know,
2: people in your party anyways, yeah. So what yeah,
3: about? yeah. Well well, so I thought it was really interesting because uh, the argument more recently, I actually like it, and it is, why, why are we um, shutting down churches if we aren't, and they are you know a, a private organization, albeit nonprofit, when in fact the NFL can have all their meetings, you know they can have over ten people in their, like they'll have a practice not outside but in a gym or they'll mm-hmm. have a meeting you know where they're sitting in a classroom and going over the Xs and Os mm-hmm. you know so all the major sports teams have gotten exceptions to this they're not they're not being regulated so for once i got to say you know my party might be onto something cuz why are they doing that because those are profit generating lobbying organizations i yeah. mean if you if if you can't open your restaurant why can they have a meeting with you know I, 10 of the coaches in I one agree. room.
2: And and uh I forget which uh college athletic division it is. I kind of in the big ten I don't Football? Don't know. Yeah, well yeah, yeah somebody. I, I, I don't I don't I don't remember what they all are, but it was the same one that uh the University of Pennsylvania, you know, uh where uh uh Jerry Sandusky was working. Oh yes. Yeah. And and, yep. and and doing evil. Right. So um uh they apparently have decided that you know they're gonna give it a give this whole playing football thing a try. And I just find that and people were saying like this is like the low point of you know this particular football league. And and some people were saying it you know sarcastically like, really? You're the people who who gave us, you know, Larry Nasser and uh uh Jerry Sandusky and this is your low point? And yeah. <laughs> which I'm like, okay. Like I actually, I agree that it's a low point, but yeah, fair, fair. Yeah. You, you're, you're not wrong. Um, but I, I find that especially shocking because the, the idea for, you know, baseball, which is the sport I pay the most attention to, but I haven't really been following much this year, but like the idea is like, okay, well, they're all going to be in a bubble. They're all going to be sort of like in a, you know, like a giant quarantined unit. So like they'll the pod. be self-contained, yeah, like a super pod but the idea is like they'll all be together and then they can play their sports and we can watch them and they'll be safe because they're all tested and, and, and isolated. Together.
3: Never go home and never see women in the hotel room. Yeah. Right. right.
2: Well, <laughs> you know, that was the idea. I'm not saying that it's actually working and that's how it's playing out. I'm just saying, well, you heard about
3: UPenn, right? Cause they have a huge, they have a huge caseload. I think it's UPenn. Yeah. 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 They had- sorry to interrupt that, you with that did I no no yes, no did I you were mentioning
2: you pen and then you cut out so
3: oh sorry um yeah it's probably I'm I'm at the edge of the, the cell signal here I think so um yeah they I think they 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 did that and then they opened up and then they had like 13 cases and five of them are coaches and because all those people go home I mean they're not really in a pod or they're supposed to not go home but they are I mean, Right. It, yeah it's just it's just as if you said well it's just going to be our church that does this or it's just going to be our department that does this right but i mean
2: that was that was the logic for uh pro sports and i'm not agreeing with it but that was the argument and it was like and these are these are all adults these are all grown men because they're all men uh if they're all Mm -hmm. adults and they're all getting paid a crap load of money so if they want to take this risk to to you know, play these sports and get that money. Okay. You know, I mean like at some point you got to let people do what they're going to do, but that doesn't, you know, you know, and it's like, and that's not true of people who just want to go to church. They're not in that same sort of, so supposedly controlled environment, but like that doesn't even apply to like these college students. I mean, you know, if yep. they say, no, I don't want to do that, then it's like, oh, well, guess you don't get to go to college anymore. And so, yeah. you know, like they're they're unpaid, and they're they're being you know forced to do it they're 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 uh, i don't know a bit like sh- educational sharecroppers or something,
3: so <laughs> yep. indentured anyway, they will be indentured when they get out. Yep. well, it's just an interesting way to think about it and and so you know, as we try and figure this out, I mean, I guess it's good that people are testing certain hypotheses, you know they bring back students for a week and they have these huge infections and so the university shut down again because they discovered that no that didn't work yeah. so it is kind of a you know it's a it's a it's a work in progress but I just thought that was interesting because the you know all the sports teams that sort of are yeah. doing this stuff and not, or Trump has been holding this is great I love this Trump is holding his rallies at um, he he wanted to go into states and do these big rallies. And the local officials would say, you can't do that because that's against, you know, our COVID laws. Mm -hmm. So he's holding them at the airports because guess what? Those are federal installations. Yeah. So that's why he's been holding his, his rallies at airports. So he's getting right around the law. And, you know, if anybody argues with him, he just invokes, you know, federal control. And they have to go along with it. It's sort of, I mean, it's, it's evilly brilliant in a way. And, you know, Biden, Biden, you know, has, has a rally with 10 people spaced out and some people on zoom, but you know, the, the picture of it, I mean, Trump realizes what that looks like. Looks like he's got, you know, incredible depths of support. So it's, it's one of those times where I think we're all going to look back and just can't quite believe that we thought this was, you know, a particular thing was good or not good or yeah I, know, it's just
2: it does imp- is it doesn't improve kind of my the win- impression of the president but i don't know i'm, I'm not the target audience but <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's true but it's just it's a funny you know like how did he get around it well that's what he did he went to, to airports because they're federal yeah so federally controlled so and you probably yeah. saw speaking of trump you probably saw that thing about him saying about the um, peaceful transfer of power. <laughs>
2: oh God, that that is a whole other thing. But I, I was pleased to see that uh, uh, other. Oh God, that that is a whole other thing. But I, I prominent Republicans, including especially Mitch McConnell, are like, oh no 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 no, we will respect the results of the elections, whatever they are. And I, I I know that 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 they'll that Mitch McConnell, especially, will look for any way, shape, or form he can to 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 rig a lot of that or to. To, to stop the counting in ways that will look good or whatever. You know, like, I don't, I don't have a lot of faith in him, but he's he's at least willing to, to acknowledge that we have elections. In the
3: they do, yeah, and that, it, that that we do have a free country. And yeah, But yeah, I was reassured by that, but just we just we, a little we bit. We have to stop too.
2: <laughs> oh, so, okay. Yeah, we've reached the end of our time. And so uh, thank you all for listening to Civil Politics. We'll be back with more next week, maybe talk about the presidential debate and stuff like that. Um, And we've got a great mix of music coming up uh, for you here on Valley Free Radio, Subculture, followed by Table of Contents and OK Asia, uh, which apparently has a great following in Asia. So awesome. Anyway, that'll do it for Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio. Thanks for listening. Good night. Civil Politics is a member of the Planetside Podcast Network. To learn more, go to planetsidepodcasts.com.